If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we can talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Now, today is a, another interesting episode because we don't have a developer today. We actually instead have Michael Brown, the CEO of Vicarious PR. Thanks for joining, Mike. You're most welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Can I call you Mike? I know I did that it, on the spot, but... <laughs> it really does not matter at all. Okay. I'm the same way. My name is Joshua, but a lot of people, they're like, Josh, Joshua, and I, you know, whatever, whatever you're feeling, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm a laid back kind of guy, so it's not a problem. Okay. Glad to hear. All right. Well, I'm glad you could make it because honestly, the PR world, like, I don't know a lot about it. It's not my forte, really. Um, and after doing, you know, these, these interviews for, uh, about two years now. It's interesting that I haven't had as many individuals come on in kind of your shoes, which is more of like, you know, the journalistic side of things and the marketing side of things. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm interested to, to talk about, you know, your background as well as just the company. Uh, but I always like to kick these off with the people themselves. So Mike, tell me a little bit, uh, just about yourself, you know, who the heck are you? Sure. So, um, I mean, I got my start in the games industry originally um, doing a combination of um, YouTube videos back in the day where I uh, reviewed games and uh, I did a couple of interviews with developers and things like that. And then I freelanced as a, a games journalist for several sites back in the UK um, before I made the horrible transition to the US. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> after doing that for a little while, um, really like being on the journalist side you know as you can imagine i received a lot of pr pitches from you know pr professionals across the mm -hmm. industry and, and and developer emails and things like that and i looked at a lot of them and i was like oh i could do that i could do that much better um and so and i'm a firm believer is if that you if you think you can do something better then you should just go do it um and so i took the plunge um with a journalist friend of mine, uh, we set yeah. up Vicarious, um, and five years later, um, here we are doing. A, we do. I mean, we do everything from a cross between um, solo indie dev stuff to AAA games and the wide spectrum in between. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome to hear. What was it about? You know, you, you said you were seeing these these emails. You were getting this conf or communication from these different companies, and you thought. I could do that. But what was it that interests you about the PR side of things? Um, I think there's a combination of things, right? So I think the first and foremost is that I really, I want, I always wanted to work in games, mm -hmm. um, but having absolutely no talent whatsoever when it comes to either being an artist or being a programmer, um, it kind of limited my options a little bit. And so I was like, yeah. okay, so you've got no talent in any of those areas. What can you do? And then I thought, well, you know, I, I, I write fairly well and mm -hmm. I have some fairly, I know how to talk about a game and, and, who, and how to talk about a game and can identify a good game from a bad game. 
Right. Um, and so I kind of put that into play and just and, and looked at, you know, what would be fun. And I, and I thought it would be really fun to work in the marketing field and, and figuring out like what gets people excited about games, you know, the challenges that come with taking like an unknown indie developer on their first title and making them a hit, like all the all the different variables that go into that. Um, and then on top of that, you know, when I was receiving a lot of like PR pitches and um, indie dev emails asking me to check out their game, I, it used to be like soul destroying. I mean, I used to get a couple hundred emails a day. Yeah. And of those, I mean, they were very, very rarely personalized. Many of them didn't have my name in them. So it wasn't like, hey, Michael, can you take a look at this? I really love your work. It was more like, uh, you know, a copy and paste mass mm-hmm. MailChimp send email. And oftentimes, the, the you know, the send outs weren't even researched to the point where, because I used to work for a lot of PC only sites. Um, and I would get like mobile game pitches like all the time. And it's like, you're not even attempting to do any kind of legwork. And so when we started Vicarious, what my, my first and foremost goal was to make sure that we did it in a really holistic and targeted way so that one, you're respecting the journalist's time in terms of knowing who they are, actually spending the time to write them or, you know, write them a personalized email or call them, um, and you know you know that this game is going to be something that they're actually interested in based on what they've covered and liked in the past but also right. i think it you know it it does a service to developers who spend all this time making this game and putting all their love and effort into something um and you know you want to give that game the best chance for success that it can have and i think the only way to do that is to really target and and you know and and make sure that you're doing it in a holistic way so that it reaches the people that are going to be most interested in to, in it and as well as ultimately the target audience and making sure that you know players know about it as well right right yeah i i definitely think that makes sense and i want to dive a little bit deeper into that area but before i do i did have one question that i wanted to cover which is really kind of how this all got started, right? Um, because I think it is interesting. It's one thing to say, like, I could probably do this better, right? Or I could do this in a way that I think will help other developers and will be more impactful. But that sentiment, and then also on the flip side, actually doing it and starting your own company and creating this whole entire thing, that's like, I don't even know where I would start, right? Like, what was... What was that beginning story for you? Like, how did you actually create what is now Vicarious PR? I mean, to be honest, it's a very, it's kind of an odd story, right? Like you hear about stories in terms of like people just bootstrap it. And, and we mm-hmm. very much did. I mean, literally with about $200, right? Like we set, we bought, you know, a domain name. We set up a website, we registered the business, we put the website live mm-hmm. and then it was really much of a, a, a very traditional hustle and grind kind of thing where I was like, I was on LinkedIn, I was on Twitter, I was like hitting up developers saying, hey, do you, know, you, know, do, you need, do you guys need PR? Do you need help with marketing? And very much just trying to get our name out there, which is it's very difficult to do, especially in, in, in an industry that's been established. And there's some you know amazing and well-established PR companies and marketing agencies out there. Um, and it's very much what developers go through right when you you set right. up your, your first business and you, you've got you know you're making it like say you're making an rpg and there's tons of great rpgs out there and it's like okay well how do i how do i you know make this work and how do i get people interested in me and so 
I would say it's, it was it was very much a combination of, if I'm honest, it was a combination of hard work and a little bit of luck. And yeah. I think you'd be surprised how much luck plays into a lot of people's success. It's, you know, kind of right place, right time. Someone's willing to take a chance on you. Somebody, you know, somebody sees something there that, you know, that they're willing to say yes to. And very much um, we were very lucky enough to get our first, cl- first client very, very quickly. Um, and that allowed us to work on a couple of projects that really then just kind of turned a little bit of into a, into a snowball. Um, and then we kind of grew as a company pretty much about 150% year on year and have continued wow. to do that. So that's um, impressive. don't underestimate the value of luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's something that I hear a lot when talking to a, a number of people, especially those who have kind of made it, you know, to, to a degree and they're in a, a, a better place when it comes to, yes, I have a successful game out or yes, we, we have, you know, uh, a wide audience that are consuming our product. Um, it, it is something where you have to be good at what you do, but also just in the right place in a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, it is, I mean, you know, all you can do, you know, regardless of whether you're making a game or setting up a business or whatever it is that the, the only thing that you can do is do the best that you can, right? You, you, you do everything that you can to try and make it successful, but there is always that little bit of element at the end where you, at some point, no matter how hard you prep, you prepare, no matter what you do to differentiate yourself, no matter what problems you solve and fix with your product, ultimately you've got to roll the dice at the end and you know and sometimes i mean i'm very much a firm believer in um i'm a big star trek fan and there's a great (laughs) there's a great captain picard um quote that says you know it's possible to make no errors and still fail right um and that's complex you know there's never been a truer statement especially in video games where i've seen some amazing games just fall flat for no Mm. other reason than that that variable of people just didn't pick it up because um, right. there was nothing you know nothing objectively wrong with anything that, that the developers did or anything. So it's it's very much true. I mean, and sometimes it just happens like that. I mean, I know many developers who've made five six games, and then on the seventh game, when they're about to call it quits and leave the industry and they've had enough of trying and failing they make it big and right and if and you know when you ask them like what was it about that seventh time and they look at you kind of no idea <laughs> <laughs> like well it was just the one that stuck um i i definitely understand it uh but a lot of you know that sentiment for getting that audience and and getting the word out there right that's a lot of what what you as vicarious pr is is really doing and trying to avoid situations like that right so what what kind of uh uh offerings or what kind of of way are you trying to avoid situations like that you know game one through six yeah i mean i think so there's a couple of things that we do i mean we tend to we like to work with developers as early as possible because oftentimes developers who are making indie games, um, and this is very kind of indie specific because you tend to find that larger companies understand the value of marketing and PR from an early stage, so right. they they invest more in it. But when you're, you know, when you're a one man team or a small team, you don't have the time nor the resources to be able to do that. Um, and so we, you know, we work from a concept stage sometimes where we we develop the branding, we develop like the logo and the the key visuals and the art and things like that, and help them really form the the, the messaging of, of any given game. Um, and yeah. then later down the line, 
you know, we're doing things like outreaching to press, we're talking to influencers and content creators, we're talking, you know, we do social media content and create videos and try and make stuff go viral and try and get um, eyeballs on the product that way. We do, we dip our toes into advertising and sponsored content as well. Um, And there's no, there's no, I try to avoid as a general rule, like template campaigns, because it's very easy to go, well, this is another game. And so, you know, I'll put two press releases out. I'll do a couple of emails. I'll get some influences on it and, you know, it, it'll work or it won't. Um, we try to develop our campaigns built around the game itself, whether that's right. the theme of the game, whether it's a specific mechanic in the game. Um, we try and build our campaigns around that so that it feels unique and, and it opens the doorway to a little bit more creativity in terms of doing something a little bit different. Um, so for example, like maybe doing uh, one of the things that I loved um, creative assembly did was when they released um, total war three kingdoms, they, they hired a, a YouTuber who um, was a YouTuber who focused on cartoon history. And so mm-hmm. they would animate this, these little funny short videos that would explain in a funny way, something, you know, a specific hist- historical period. And so they hired them to help people understand the context of the game. And so <laughs> doing little things like that, where you're doing, you know, you're not doing the traditional, like have, you know, X, Y YouTuber play um, the game on stream for two hours is, I think th- those are the campaigns that are most fun for me. Yeah, yeah. So you gotta you gotta think outside of the box because otherwise everything just kind of sticks the same, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but how do you approach that? Because I think obviously you have to be creative in that lens, and each project is going to be a little bit different when it comes to like how much uh, involvement is required. Um, and I, I guess where my question is really coming to is like, how do you assess that, especially at the very beginning when you're working with a company and is there any, like, you know, like thinking about the major differences between indie versus triple a in regards to like, obviously from a, a funding or level of importance or an awareness perspective, but what are those, those major differences in how you're assessing this company on what is really required? Um, I, there's a couple of, there's, I would say there's a couple of different things within that. Like the first and foremost, I mean, ultimately everything comes down to the game itself, right? I mean, yeah. no amount of marketing or PR is going to shine a, a turd to, <laughs> to, to something shiny, right? It's never going to happen. Right. So if you've got a, a, a bad product, then it doesn't matter what you do. You've got a bad product and that's just the end of it. Yeah. Um, so it really comes have you down had to, to the, have you had to turn down people of being like, I'm sorry, we're just not going to help you yeah we do it quite regularly um okay it's i mean it's not it's not an uncommon thing because you i mean i mean look you've got you've got everybody who from commercially successful developers to 17 year olds who want to build their first game Um, right and uh, you know and so we get pitched a lot of stuff um, and we turn down a lot of stuff because one it's you know it does a disservice to us and our brand to promote something that we know to be not good Right. Um, and, and I don't think it, you know, and, and, and journalists and the people that we're trying to, to pitch the game to don't appreciate it either. Right. So it just damages <laughs> those relationships in the end as well. Um, yeah. so it's just not worth it, but yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it does come down to the, the game and everything is built around the game. So, you know, I think that the only real difference, 
Um, well, there's, I mean, there are multiple differences, but the, like the biggest difference is between an indie game and a AAA game is ultimately budget, and and right. and that there are you know, and because ultimately you've got a situation where a, a AAA developer is going to be able to do a lot more things because they have the resources in the war chest to be able to do those things, whereas yeah. an indie has got to pick and choose their battles wisely, um, and so. It, we kind of make that assessment on the game, what the budget is, and then also what we're trying to achieve. Because, you know, it, from an outside perspective, it might be easy to look at it and go, "Well, game developers just want to be successful and sell lots of games." But actually, there are there are many cases where developers aren't looking for just commercial success. Mm-hmm. They might be looking to build up a brand and they might be thinking long-term and saying, well, we know this game is not going to sell a million copies, but what we're looking to do is you know, leave a good taste in players' mouths and start to build up a community over several games so that we can eventually get to that stage. Right. Um, so there's, you know, there's lots of different the criteria that are involved in it. Um, and so that's why it's very much a case-by-case basis because every company is different, every game is different. And so you really have to kind of pull all the different elements together and then build your plan after that. Yeah. And looking at the breakdown of those projects that you've worked on. So I was looking through some of the uh, just games that you've been a part of uh, specifically. And uh, this is less of a question and just more of me kind of a personal thank you because you've helped out in one way or another. I don't know exactly what you did, but Gunfire Reborn is one Mm -hmm. of my favorite games i've played way too much of it um <laughs> and so this is just a way for me to gush about it for a second and say thank you <laughs> no it's fine yeah no we we were we were actually the uh the pr team responsible for the original early access launch for that game um nice so yeah i love that game it's great <laughs> i'm glad to hear it because it definitely has stuck with uh with my friends but that being said um i mentioned you know I don't know all the ins and outs that come into what exactly you might and might not do depending on, you know, there's a lot of these different uh, scenarios, these uh, variables that a company or a game is going to need. Right. But you mentioned that you're sometimes you have to turn these down, right? What is the main avenue of you getting these clients per se, right? Is this a lot of like, would you say your basis is more people reaching out to you, you reaching out to them? I assume it, it obviously probably started one way versus another in the early stages, but like, what's your, your normal go-to plan when people uh, show up? Because I'm also thinking about this, you know, you only have so many people on your team, right? I'm sure there's Mm -hmm. a good amount of, you know, what's your prioritization as well? Yeah, so the way that we do it, we we I mean, in terms of the amount of campaigns that we have ongoing, we cap it, um, so that we're never in a situation where we're overstretched in terms of manpower, um, and that way our clients can and the games that we're working on, they can feel confident in the fact that we're giving them the attention that they need. Right. Um, and then in terms of like how how we get clients, it's a bit of both, to be honest. I mean. You know, obviously we do, you know, as the company's grown and is more well known for some of the campaigns that we've done over the years, um, people do come to us, but vice versa, you and, you know, and you might get the occasional developer talking, you know, because the, the industry is somewhat insular in that way. So you might get developers talking to another developer and then recommending us because they've used us in the past. Um, right. 
so there's a lot of recommendations that do come out of it but you know if we if i like i'll be honest if i see a cool game on steam i will literally like hit up my business development manager and i'll be like get me a meeting with those people i need to talk about that game because um, <laughs> if i say something that excites me and then i think that i can do well with it right like for me it's a win-win because if i can get them as a client one i get to work on a cool game that i think looks awesome um and two i know i have you know the team has the talent and the ability to make it successful for them so um i'm not i'm totally not ashamed to to call call cold email somebody and say let me work on this <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right, though, because it does it benefits a lot of parties, especially like, if you want to just see a a game come to fruition, and you think it's really cool, you're going to be passionate about it, you're going to want to tell other people about it, it just becomes, you know, uh, less of what people think of as quote, unquote, a job versus you just trying to promote something that you think looks really cool, and people need to know about, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it helps the team. I mean, you know, for, for, from any kind of management level, you ultimately would, you in an ideal world, you have projects that your team can really get excited by because if they're excited mm-hmm. by something and passionate about something, then their work and the level of effort that they put in is inherently going to be greater than something that's forced upon them. So, you know, we try and get games that, you know, we as gamers are excited by and have fun with. Um, and sometimes we don't get them all and, but you know, yeah, we're working yeah. on that. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. Uh, every, every year you'll get bigger and bigger, right? That's the plan. Um, but I do want to ask what your favorite project is that you've worked on so far. Oh, favorite project. There's so many. I mean, uh, I like, there's, there's lots of different projects I like for different reasons. Um, I think I, you know, I really enjoyed working on Before We Leave, um, which was an indie city builder, because mm-hmm. um, that really came out of nowhere, and we made that very successful. And it was our first; it was one of the first games we ever did after the Epic Store had just launched, and nice. so we didn't know exactly how that was going to land because, obviously, at the time when Epic announced their store, there was a lot of pushback from steam fanboys and so we were like is this going to any because it was an epic exclusive we were like is this going to sell um and you know it did very it did very very well and so we were i was very pleased with that and i was really pleased for the developers because they're just they're a wonderful team um from australia um um i'm a big i really enjoyed my work on and this is less indie but i've really enjoyed the work that i've done on dead by daylight Mm -hmm. um Dead by Daylight's a massive game, and it was a real pleasure to work on that. And we've worked on that now for a number of years, yeah. so that was a that was a nice little career highlight. Um, but funnily awesome. enough, in in recent years, I've actually really like we've done a couple of remasters and re-releases, so it's been really nice and very very nostalgic to work on some games like Kingdom Under Fire and Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate Dark Alliance. Um, oh, well, where cool. I've been able to work on games that I played when I was young. Um, right. So that's always been a, a nice touch. Yeah, and it goes right back into what we were talking about of uh, being able to easily get on board with it because you're clearly passionate about it, right? You want this to go well because you have that nostalgia factor. You have that, I loved this game before and now it's a, a, a new way for other generations to continue that. 
Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you know, it, it's it's so much fun to work on games that you really enjoy playing, and you know, it, it, and, and sometimes you know that's not always the case in the industry, um, especially when you're a developer. But you know, if you can find something that you enjoy playing at the end of the day as well as during the day, then you know you're a win-win. Yeah, I can't agree more. Um, let's talk a little bit about what happens when you're actually working with them, right? Because you mentioned a couple of things as far as like what you offer, but like there's a couple in here while I was looking through your website that I thought were interesting, which was specifically things like the influencer side of things, as well as mm -hmm. like crisis communication. Can you elaborate a little bit more about like those pieces as well as, you know, what Vicarious is really offering? Sure. So, I mean, for influencers, we do, um, what we call earned outreach, which is essentially very similar to like reaching out to press where we just, you know, we, we build a campaign where we're trying to contact um, YouTubers and Twitch streamers and get them interested and excited about the game. And then with the hopes that they'll eventually, you know, play the game and record it and play it on their channels and stuff like that. Right. Um, we also do paid campaigns where we're, we're doing sponsorships. Um, we try to avoid doing like boring sponsorships. We try to do stuff that's fun for everybody involved, and it doesn't feel like a like an ad, so to say. Like it's more yeah. entertainment, but like raising the awareness of the game at the same time. Um, and then for crisis communications, we do help. Um, we do help companies who, and we're pretty selective about this, but we do help some companies who have either through their own fault or fault or no fault of their own fallen into um getting bad press and mm -hmm. um or it's sometimes it's not even bad press it might just be a community issue like they've they've neglected their community in some form or another and so the community's turned on them and so we mm -hmm. you know we try and help them um show them a path to fixing that situation yeah yeah i want to uh talk a little bit about that um just because that's a really tough area, right? You know, that's something that a lot of people when they're in that negative space can just kind of dig themselves there into their own grave, right? Um, mm -hmm. What, you know, where, where did you find that type of knowledge or that expertise? Um, and kind of how, how does that look for some of these companies as far as like vicarious stepping in? Um, so in terms of finding the knowledge, it was a lot of legwork and research and, um, seminars <laughs> and conferences. <laughs> um, and then also a little bit of adapting traditional crisis communications to the games industry, because it's very different, um, than, you know, something like, um, corporate, the corporate world or anything like that. Right. Um, and then on top of that, you know, it was really in terms of how it looks, when we come in, it's, it's very, very situational. Um, it very much depends on our purview. It depends on what the, the actual crisis situation is. It depends on the company that we're work, working for. It depends on their company culture. It depends on, you know, all those type of things, because sometimes, I mean, we've, I've turned down a company for crisis communications because I felt that I couldn't trust the leadership behind it. Wow. Um, and yeah. so I, because if, if I don't believe in the company or I don't believe in the people and what they're trying to do, then it's very, very hard for me to, to fix that because ultimately it's a problem that can't be fixed because it's a, it's a cultural issue. And, um, and so my, any advice that I give is going to go and fall on deaf ears. Right. Um, right. 
and so yeah i mean it's very very situational it it, it's, it depends entirely on if we think we can fix this fix the situation or not it, and we have to be be able to trust that the company is going to actually listen to our advice um and make changes both internal and external that and they're actually going to follow through with the plan to actually make that situation better um right because i mean ultimately i mean yeah i get paid at the end of the day either way but <laughs> you know success stories are what i want and so right if, yeah. if i don't feel confident that um a developer is going to um follow through then we probably won't just won't even take it on in the first place yeah i mean i think that makes sense it goes right back to that whole you have to re- you know respect your own brand when you're working on these projects right it's you're not only bringing up or promoting these companies every time you work with someone you're essentially putting yourself out there and saying you know vicarious is a part of this right so Mm -hmm. anything that goes negative is obviously going to have some element of you and your team being involved yeah i mean very much i mean there are certain degrees of separation because you are you are an external agency and people tend to understand that you're an external agency of course of course i think there is there is inherently bias and perception issues regardless of whether you're an external agency or not and i think you know especially on some if the if the if the crisis situation in particular is a moral issue or mm-hmm. you know something like that, then I think it's important to you know to say you know live by your own code and and be able to stand up and say yeah I'm not going to do that no matter how much money you're offering me. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes sense. Um, I have one final question that I love to to ask uh, anyone who comes on. Usually, this is more specific to like people who are developing games and kind of insights into what uh what can help those getting into the field um but i'd love to hear some advice from your side of things because i think it is very interesting going in from this journalistic perspective to running your own pr company you know uh let's take the the perspective of looking back at when you first started when you had first said like you know what i can do this i can do this better and like let's start our own company with the uh the other co-founder what what would you say now if you had the same knowledge that you do today as far as you know like advice or things that would have helped you or things that did help you that you did uh that kind of paved the way for yourself um i don't know i think the the biggest advice that i would give to like a developer who's starting their own game um before they do anything really is to first figure out what type of game they actually want to make because there's two in my mind there's two different types of games there's games that indies make because they're passionate about it and they want to make it for them and they just want that thing to exist um but then there's also you know games for commercial success where you're trying to make a commercial viable product and thus you have to make decisions and choices based on your audience's preference right because those Mm -hmm. two are very very different things because ultimately it it fundamentally changes the entire game design. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, spending a good amount of time at that starting period, figuring out who your target audience is in terms of who are the players we want to play this game? What are they going to like? What should I, you know, because that's going to really inform your game design throughout because there's not enough people in the industry who think about things from a gamer's perspective, right? Like, 
they don't put themselves and they really need to do like thought exercises where you put yourself in 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 you know uh standard gamers shoes and be like okay i'm a 35 year old guy i love turn-based rpgs and mm-hmm. um first person shooters what is it the things that i like what are the things that i do in my day-to-day life how much time do i have to play games what am i looking for when i do play them are there any particular you know features of a games that excite me more than others um right. And doing those exercises help you figure out, one, your game design and the choices that you make, but they also help you figure out your marketing as well because then you're like, okay, I should really promote this feature over this feature because this is the feature that most people will get excited about Um, and really spend time working on that branding, the logo, the look, the imagery because, you know, yes, graphics aren't everything and they're not, but ultimately when it when it comes to looking at any storefront, whether it's Steam, whether it's Xbox, whether it's PlayStation, whether it's you know the Nintendo eShop, the first thing that you're going to see is a visual. Right. And so right. if that, that visual is impression. not yeah exactly if that visual is not good enough and it doesn't draw the attention and it doesn't get people interested, then it doesn't matter about anything else because mm-hmm. you fail to get them through the door. And so, and not enough people, especially indies, because oftentimes marketing and branding and things like that are often an afterthought, after development. Yeah. Um, they they don't spend enough time on that, and then oftentimes, you know, rush around and do a really poor job. But you know, you should really be thinking about those type of things, at, like at the earliest possible stage, because it really does help inform your your game choices as well as you know helping make it ultimately a better game because if you are making a game to try and be commercially successful then you should be trying to make that game as interesting for those players as possible and giving those players what they want um and you know that only leads to a better game and and you know happy customers at the end of the day yeah I definitely agree. Uh, for those listening, Vicarious PR is helping all types of developers. So if you need any PR help, head over to their website, vicariouspr.com, where they have blogs and some resources as well and ways to contact them. And for those non-devs who are listening to this and just interested in finding out what's that next big indie game or you know maybe even AAA game that they're promoting to find some cool new games, definitely check out their social media, something like their their Twitter profile. I believe their Twitter is just at VicariousPR, which is super easy. So definitely go check them out there. Uh, once again, Michael, thank you so much for joining today. I appreciate it.